Welcome, everybody. So today's guest is my friend Norman Paul, president of SWBC in San Antonio, Texas, uh, former chair of NAPIO. Um, he has a list of titles, former Texas LC chair. I mean, the list really goes on, Norman. It, it, it really yeah. has. You know? It's at least three three titles deep, at least. So. It, 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 really, it, really is. it really is. So I, I always start at the beginning. Uh, first of all, because I want to, you know, draw out your New Jersey roots, which is so important to me. But uh, where'd you start? My life story or my PEO story? We'll, we'll start with the life story and then we'll move right. into the PEO. All right. So my parents are both from Montclair, New Jersey, and my dad uh, ended up at the last, at the tail end of World War II, finally got into it in the Navy. His two brothers were already in. One was a submariner and one was a medic who got the Bronze Star at the Battle of the Bulge. And so my dad got right in, went into the Navy, and the war ended while he was on on a tr troop transport going to uh, California, whatever. But he served in the – he ended up ultimately serving in the Navy and in the Marines and in the Air Force. And he spent his career ultimately as an Air Force uh, JAG officer. But long and short, I was born in Germany. And first in Fellbrook, Germany, I've never been back. Uh, I've been wanting to go back. And Pat has met Kathy, my wife, and and many times. And I say, Kathy, I want to go see where I was born. And she says, why is her common response. I mean, why? <laughs> you know? And so I just like to see where I was born. But, but anyway. by the way, you, you can still run for president, right? Because you I can, were, right, you're a dependent, right? right, 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 right on foreign I, soil. I was worried about it. When I was a junior, yes, I, I would be worried about that, but or not too worried. But anyway, yes, when I was a junior in high school, we lived in the Washington, D.C. area, um, 9th, 10th, and 11th grade. And um, um, my dad got transferred the last day of my junior year to uh, the Philippines. And so in order for me to go to the Philippines and get passport and all that good stuff, I had to renounce my German dual citizenship. So, um, but I did have dual citizenship there for a while. Can't speak a lick of German, but. Um, that, that must have been um, a sad day. For it, you. it was a sad, and I've regretted it ever since sometimes. <laughs> so anyway, everybody says they're going to Canada. I'm going back to my birthplace. Right, so, um, right. Um, exactly. Anyway. So, uh, so, you, uh, so I forget. So you went to high school in the Philippines, right? I went my senior year in high school in the Philippines, and, um, and then, I was an absolute hellraiser. I mm -hmm. firmly believed in a four-day school week. I tried to skip school every Friday, and uh, my girlfriend's father was the base chaplain, and my dad's father was the base, um, you know, SJA, and we were constantly getting in trouble, you know, uh, selling cigarettes over the perimeter fence for uh, San Miguel beer and things like that. So I was trying to figure out where I was going to go to college. I'm looking at books and I wanted to go back in the Virginia area. My dad told me about a friend of his back when they were lieutenants that went to VMI. So I looked up VMI and I decided that it was time for me to straighten up. Most people go to college to raise hell. I went to college to straighten up. So I applied to VMI and got accepted. My parents were so proud. And the deal was I was going to go for one year and get <laughs> discipline. And then I was transferred to William and Mary. And uh, how'd that um, go? How'd that plan work out? Well, I ended up getting a, a scholarship the last three years of VMI as a 
outstanding ROTC, you know, cadet, all this good stuff, had good grades and uh, got a full ride um, through Air Force ROTC. And my dad wrote me, that's how we communicated back then, you know, on his electric typewriter, you know, pounding out with, you know, just this endless flow of verbiage, you know, and are you going to transfer? And I said, no, I made it through the rat line. I got a scholarship. I'm going to stay. So I ended up staying at VMI. And long and short, uh, at the end, I was commissioned and um, as a lieutenant and then had, got an educational delay, went to law school. And then after law school, I owed four years in the Air Force. And I went to law school here in San Antonio. My parents had retired by that time and came back to San Antonio. And um, I got my orders. Kathy and I got married my second year in law school. And uh, um, another thing that that Pat and I have in common, not only our Jersey roots, but we're both married to Kathleen's with a K. <laughs> and so Kathy and I get married in uh, um, law school and we get our orders after I passed the bar and I was stationed in San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> and so, so I served four years as a JAG here in San Antonio and got out, went to a law firm and then worked for there for about three or four years and then decided that I had to, you know, just, somewhat of an entrepreneurial spirit and i decided i need to have my own law practice and i left the firm and i went out and opened my law office in the medical center area here in san antonio and it was gonna be a kind of a medical doctor business practice and i met this guy by the name of wallace brumley and Wallace Brumley, it was a PNC agent, and, and we shared a fax machine, you know, the old <laughs> fax machine through the wall, and uh, um, got to be friends. I started representing him, and I was a member of Rotary, and uh, there was a guy in my Rotary club by the name of Eddie Hennemeyer who came and did a Rotary talk one day about what he did, and he was talking about staff leasing. And I thought I had no idea what he was talking about. I knew nothing about workers' comp. And just sound like witch doctoring to me, and that was the end of it. And but about about a month later, Wallace said, "You ever heard of staff leasing? I'm losing business." And I said, "Well, this guy Eddie Hennemeyer is doing it." And so Wallace, I introduced it to. Next thing I know, Wallace flies to D.C. to the predecessor of Napio, had a meeting with the National Staff Leasing Association yeah, or NSLA, whatever. NSLA, right? Exactly. NSLA. So Wallace comes up, comes back, and says. I'm going into the staff leasing business. So, and you were his lawyer. Did. I was his lawyer next door, and so he put me in touch with Greg Hammond. <laughs> and Greg Hammond was in Cleveland, Ohio, or something like that. And Greg and I did Wallace's first contract, and I think that was in 1988. And so Wallace went off and started his staff leasing business. For the next four or five years, all he did was get into litigation with the state of Texas because back then they considered staff leasing to be fraud. And so we're in all this kind of litigation. And um, in about 94 or so, they passed the Texas Licensing Act. And all of a sudden, all the parties said, okay, it's legal and you go your way, we'll go our way. And Wallace continued with his business, started growing it, was paying me by the hour, didn't like paying me by the hour. I'm sure I overbuilt him, you know, to keep Kathy happy. But um, 
in 2001 or so, he said, you, you know, you have three daughters and you're going to have to pay for all these weddings someday. Why don't you come in and help me and with the business? So 2001, I closed my law office and came in house um, to help Wallace and Margaret with Brumley Professional Employer Services. And then about nine years later, right with the Great Recession hit, we were at the NAPIO conference, I think in Miami. And Wallace said, I'm done. I can't I need to get out of this. Help me sell this business. And so long and short, um, um, different people were trying to buy it and at the last minute, uh, including myself and Wallace's son-in-law. And at the last minute, SWBC popped up and said that they were interested. We said, no, thank you. Then I thought that we were going to buy, and I thought this company, SWBC, is a big financial service company here in San Antonio. We should meet them. Wallace came along with us, and they made Wallace a very great offer. And then my attorney had had to come back on and say, <laughs> hey, Wallace, you know, this is too good of a deal for you. You need to sell it to them. And um, And so they asked me to stay on, and I stayed on. And about a year after that, they asked me to run the company. And so I've been. What what year did they sell it? January first, two thousand eleven. And so at that time, at that time, um, we had about thirty five hundred worksite employees. We had been up to around five thousand, but this was right, you know, at the end of the Great Recession and all that. And today we're pushing you know, 20,000. So we've grown it from the last 10 years, you know, almost six times or whatever. So um, unbelievable. So tell it really me, is. tell me I'm a sorry. little bit about, and I, I want to get back to that, but tell me a little bit uh, uh, for, for everybody who doesn't know about SWBC, like uh, who are the guys who own yeah. it and run it and what's their story? So it's Charlie Amato and Gary Dudley there. I was with them the last two days. We were at the text their members of the Texas Business Hall of Fame. They're legends. They're, you know, they're that traditional two guys from outside the Houston um, area, um, got out of college and started getting into selling insurance products to credit unions and banks and didn't like the company they were working for and decide to, that they could do it better on their own. And fast forward 45 years later, they now, you know, uh, own a very large mortgage company. If there's a bank and credit union in the country, they're probably selling some sort of insurance product to them. They own part of the Spurs. They build apartment complexes. They uh, have a wealth management um, company. They have a property and casualty agency. They have an employee benefits agency. They have an ad valorem tax agency. And their employee benefits agency was losing business to PEOs 10 years ago. And they decided that, well, maybe they need to own a PEO too. And that's why they ended up buying us. But, you know, they, they are your classic Texas entrepreneur who, you know, built this company. And I, I have no idea what it's worth, but it is, you know, we flew in a very nice, you know, um, jet private jet yesterday and back and forth to Houston to go to our meeting. So, you know, I mean, they've been very, very successful and uh, very, very well known in, in Texas. And, and if memory and served, the United uh, States, Sam, so. Sam Houston state, isn't it? Didn't they both go to Sam Houston? State? They both went to Sam Houston. Charlie was on the Dallas fed reserve for a number of years. He's a regent for the Texas state university system. Um, you know, again, own part of the Spurs, um, you know, all that good stuff. So. 
and haven't met classic. both of them. They really are. Uh, you know, uh, Charlie looks like central casting, you know, of like a, a Southern gentleman, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, Gary's, I think uh, Charlie's very genteel. Gary's a great personality. They're a great team. Again, I've, I've met them both. So the connection with the PEO was they were living in that universe. Is that, was that it? Well, they were living in the, 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 the people, you know, they have these various divisions and the CEO of, of the employee benefits division and probably the CEO from the PNC agency. It, it's the classic story. We as a PEO go in and say, you don't need to be outsourcing to, uh, to all these different parties, roll it up and come to us and we'll save you money. And so they were losing business to PEOs. And they were also, I think, a little bit afraid on the EBC, on the employee benefits side, about Obamacare. And they were, the the woman who was running the company at the time thought that, that you would only have, you know, federal or, you know, state issued health insurance, and there would no, it would be no longer private health insurance. And, and she was very against Obamacare and thought it was going to be the death of their agency. I looked at it as a golden opportunity because Obamacare required people to have health insurance. And to me, it opened up our world that if the government, I jokingly tell people, if, if the government's ordering you to buy something and you're the person who's selling it, that's a pretty good place to be there. You know, I would like more government mandate. I like a government mandate that you have to use a PEO. I mean, you know, we're working so. on that next. Well, you know, it's like these, the, you know, these state we're seeing little by little it hasn't hit Texas yet, I don't think, but the state mandated retirement plans right right? and we've got folks members who personally chafe against the mandate like they did with obamacare but you know our members in california are going through that state to say hey do you need to comply with this mandate come to us come to us where right you know and and, and i kind of joke with charlie charlie you know i mean Government regulation. I'm going. We need more government regulation. <laughs> you know, bring it on. The more the better. Bring it on. That's our job to help you get through government regulation. So, how do you get from 3,500 to 20,000? Other than exemplary leadership by a former, oh, yeah. you know, uh, Air Force officer. I thought you were going to take credit for it, Pat. Oh, I'm but going they, to. You know, I mean, you know, you know the, the Pat, Pat Pat became the chair of uh, the yes. president of NAPIO, and but for that, we we would never have been where we are i love I'm giving you, man. you full credit i'm giving you full I, credit i love you man <laughs> no but seriously how did you guys power this growth that's pretty I, mean, I just think that you know we have tried our best to i, I always tell people i think we have always always over credentialized ourselves if that's a word um you know, when I first heard about ESAC, when I first came in house, I said, Wallace, if people are going to pay you for your services, you're a fool not to be uh, ESAC accredited. I mean, if, if, if you're going to pay for services, then it's not just going to be workers' comp arbitration where you're um, or, uh, arbitrage. Yeah. Arbitrage, excuse me. Um, I knew that was wrong. Um, and people are actually going to pay you for the services and they have a choice. They, they're, they're more likely to pay somebody who has the credentials and and the financial backing, the audited, um, you know, financials and things like that, and the accreditation and the bond uh, from ESAC. So I've been a firm believer of it. And when CPEO came about, I was a firm believer, and we were one of the first PEOs to become 
certified by the IRS, and we certified all our entities. And so, and we're workers' comp certified. So I, I, I think that that has helped us. I think that as we've attracted larger, I, I think there's been a trend that in the PEO space, when it first started, it was blue collar, cheap workers' comp, and payroll. And now I think it is more and more white collar people who want health insurance benefits. They want a 401k. They comp is important, but it's not overly important. Um, they want the HR support and they want our technology. And I, so I think that the, the opportunities to sell our services has been expanding exponentially as more and more businesses say, in white collar professional, whatever businesses are saying, yes, I'm already outsourcing my workers comp. I'm already outsourcing payroll. I have a benefits broker. I've got a workers comp broker. I've got a um, 401k broker and I don't want to mess with 401k because the fiduciary liability and responsibility, blah, blah, blah. It makes sense to go with a PEO. And so I think that that has helped. Um, and I think Obamacare helped. Yeah. Um, allow us to grow the industry. And I think the same growth that you have seen at Napio, as the industry has become more and more known and more by people and business people, and it, it is attributed to the growth you've seen at, at Napio and attributing to the growth you know that we have witnessed. And then I think we take good care of our clients or we really try and take good care of our clients. So we typically don't lose clients once we have them. So, yeah, it's interesting. And we see it in the focus groups that, you know, people are like, well, you know, I, I, I'm, I can't add, like this PEO is going to cost me X. I just can't add that on to what I'm already spending. And you say like, you know, like, or not already spending, they, they, they don't think of what they're already spending. They're just like, boy, this is a plus cost for me that I can't swing. And all the things you ticked off is we realize, and when we go through the focus groups, we're like, okay, do you have all that stuff? <laughs> and they say, yes. We're like, okay, you're already spending a lot of money on this. So the right. PEO is not a plus. It's a substitute for all that stuff. Right. That you're, you're and doing. hopefully a more efficient substitute. Yeah. yeah, right. And I and I think that is what is really important is the technology. I just think that I tell people this on the technology side, if you're a 50 person group and you want to have the, you know, a workday type or one of these types of platforms, it's very expensive. And you got to have somebody operate it. You got to have somebody keep up with the updates. And then, you know, and that person who finally learns it, you get them, you know, get, get the software onboarded and it's up and running. And then that person leaves you or they go somewhere or they move or whatever. And then you got to start over. And then, yep. you know, and, and so we provide that technology and the support. And I think that that's what more and more companies want. And I know the employees want it. So I think that that's, I think technology offering has become another big part of our services. Yeah. Uh, That that leads me to my next question, which you may have just answered in part is, you know, uh, we've got a pretty good, the industry has a pretty good footprint in Texas. I know that, uh, you know, so you're out there talking to small businesses and so are other PEOs. So what's your better mousetrap? Oh, and by the way, do you do sales calls yourself? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I got one Monday morning at 9 a.m. So that's important, right? Right. 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 So for you, for you to be out there. Right. I, you know, I, you know, but anyway, that's a separate subject. But, uh, uh, but yes, I, 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 
yes, I do sales calls and, and I, I tell our sales team, you know, I don't need you to, to get referrals from other people. I need you to go out and find somebody, if, you know, referrals from our other divisions from SWBC, we can close it. Our team, if we can get our team in front, we'll close the sale. I need people to go out and find yeah. Um, yeah. candidates. So, so, um, so, so when you I get go that out far, all the, yeah, what, so what's your better mousetrap? Well, I, I, I just think that, um, you know, um, the fact that we have the credentials, the fact that we are local, that we are, you know, financially strong, that we, we're not an empty box, you know, we, uh, the growth we've seen, we've added another, um, I just looked at it two years ago, I think our internal staff was around, um, 50 work of uh, 50 internal employees. We're pushing 70 right now. And so, you know, I want people to know that, you know, that, that, that we're well credentialized and we're well staffed and we really do these things. And we, we try and become, you know, your trusted business advisor in each one of these disciplines, health benefits, blah, 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 blah. And so, um, and I think that, you know, we, we have clients that constantly will speak for us and, and endorse us. And uh, I think that that's helpful. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's, so it's, how do we compete? I mean, we're competing against some of the national PEOs. Well, you know, I, I usually joke and say, well, I'm the CEO and you can call me any day you want. Now, can you call their CEO? Well, I don't know if you can or can't, but <laughs> I, I doubt you can. But, you know, but so... <laughs> Yeah. Um, so. yeah, and and, and again, you said uh, you know uh, being local also. I mean, just it just helps. Right. Right? It's, it's, right. it's, you've got a, a good market and a good economy down. Right. right? right. Also- I mean, Texas continues to grow, and there's more people moving here than um, yeah. you know other places. So I mean, I think that we're in a good market from that respect. I think that um, you know the downside to it. I think that what we're all seeing in the PEO space is. I think it's just continues to become more and more complex. Yeah. You know what we provide. Um, I think the whole pandemic with the work from home. Um, you know, we have a ten thousand square foot building, and I, you know, the number of employees that are here right now is very small. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, um, you know, with clients hiring people all over the United States. And and the whole issues with regard to, you know, with you know, state withholding and and suda taxes and all that good stuff and the complexities of now being in forty states versus you know, yeah. But you know, it's funny, and I've I've sort of stumbled upon that theme of late. Is it goes back to your your earlier point of like you know. Federal regulation, bring it on, right? Because right. it's good for business. Is that, right. you know, you now have, you know, I talked to Lee Yarborough, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I think she was in 17 states before the pandemic and 40, 40 some afterwards. Right. Right? So you for your clients, it's a nightmare. They were in Texas. Now they're in, the, uh, one, one client is now in eight states, right? right? And so right. they got to find out from you, like, what? what are the rules? Is there paid leave? Like, what do I have, you know? So it's a burden on you, but it's more value. I mean, I'm sure you must be seeing that. I mean, it definitely is. And clients just don't even understand the complexities of it. And, 
and uh, don't understand the legal aspects of, oh, I just hired my cousin's nephew who's working from his apartment in New York. Well, you know, now you've got a New York employee, you got you got Nexus with New York, you may have to go and, you know, file a New York state income tax because you're generating earnings. I, I don't, I mean, yeah, we don't yeah. get into that aspect of it because the, that starts rolling into tax advice, but on the employment tax side, yeah, but then yeah. we have to deal with it. And then yeah. the, the, then the kid who was working in New York and found it was too expensive and he moved in New Jersey, you know, <laughs> and picked up his apartment and didn't tell anybody for two months yeah. that he moved, yeah. you know? And so yeah. that's, yeah. that's what we're dealing with. So, so let me ask you uh, the flip sides of the same coin. What is the outlook, as far as you're concerned, what's the outlook for the industry and what are the headwinds? I think, you know, I, I I feel like I wasn't there at the beginning of the industry, but I was here pretty close to the beginning, you know? And so I just think that, um, I think it'll just continue to grow exponentially. I mean, I think that the headwinds are going to be, you know, are we going to be uh, out PO'd by some other you know, model, you know, I mean, that's always a possibility. I think that, um, you know, but um, headwinds, I don't know, Pat. I mean, I don't really see any headwinds. Uh, I think there's still plenty of opportunities out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, the headwinds could be if, if somebody came in and said PEOs can't offer health insurance, but I think the trends are going the opposite direction. I think that people see the benefit of our model and the regulators do. And, you know, it's kind of like New Mexico. I think that initially there was some pushback and then they understood that there are some really good PEOs out there that are helping people get health insurance. And, and, you know, we bring efficiency. I mean, I know that our workers comp carrier, I I don't know where we stand, but we've got to be one of their top accounts. And, you know, they love having a PEO because they got one policy and we pay them like clockwork. You know, and so, right, you know, right. so. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny. I keep saying that I've got a Superman complex about this industry. We grew during the pandemic. Right? We all Fine. thought, I'm sure you you did. Fine. I thought we were toast during the Fine. pandemic. We're, I thought we were done because it, it was a big uh, nuclear bomb dropped Fine. on the small business sector, right? And we grew. We didn't, we didn't get wiped out. We grew. Fine. So I do have a little bit of a Superman complex to your comment. Like, yeah, I think we just, you know, we we grow. And Seth Peretta said to me years ago, this is an industry that's reinvented itself a dozen times. So right. if somebody says you can't do that or you can't do this, you can't, it, we just seem to morph. Or something. You, right. you lived through a lot of that, right? Right. No, I agree with that. I think that they're, the model will be there. I mean, the, it, we're a service economy. I mean, that's what United States is. We're not a manufacturing economy much anymore. We're a service, and we provide services more efficiently than a collective group of other service providers. So it will always make sense that there's a market for us. Now, will somebody else come in and, and start adding additional services that, you know, like accounting services or something like that? I mean, you know, the, uh, the additional services that we have are offering has grown. I mean, again, back in the beginning, it was cheap workers comp and payroll. Yeah. Now it's cheap workers comp payroll and benefits. And now it's and technology. Now what will be next? I don't know, but there very well could be something else that we will start offering that, 
you know, kind of like with Charlie and Gary with SWBC and all these other yeah. divisions and entities as they've created that that's, you know, sprung off from um, what they did. So yeah. I can see where PEOs, there'll be other, other services that over the years that we will start adding that try and set us apart from the competition or to, you know, take it to take it away from some other, you know, company or yep. whatever. Yep. So. so you've been in the industry a long time. What's your advice to uh, someone new in the industry or someone starting a PEO? What, what would Join you APO. Yeah, and, there uh, it is. There it is. The, the plug, right? I'll send you the check later. Oh yeah, yeah. The royalties. Um, no, I, I, I just think that you've got to. It, it's a what we do is complicated, and if you're new in the industry, you know, um, I, I would make sure you understand fully what you're got yourself into, and understand <laughs> what we're offering, and and get some good people to help you through it, and as you continue to grow. And I would again, I think you should gain every accreditation that you can get. I mean, I just, I firmly believe that, but, um, and, and, and maybe we didn't need it and maybe we could have sold business without it. And maybe we do every day, but I just think that, um, having the accreditations and the responsibilities give you your, you know, your bumpers or whatever that you have to live within in order to maintain them. Um, as I, told people i told wallace this years ago the worst thing that could ever happen is for us to mess up and lose our esac accreditation and have to go out and tell our clients we've just been you know unaccredited by the irs or mm-hmm. we've just been you know we'd have to send out a notice i go that would be the worst thing that could ever happen yeah. so in turn it makes us ultra you know we tried to be as compliant as we possibly can. We, we don't want to run afoul yeah. of any kind of rule. You know, we don't want to jeopardize our accreditations. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So now I want to go all the way back. I know you haven't been back to Germany, but you've been back to VMI. Um, and I know uh, that was really important to you and an important part of your life. So what, what was it like, and what did you learn from being there? The big eye. Um, I complained daily <laughs> that I didn't, <laughs> you know, that I was there. Uh, you know, it was this Spartan existence. I mean, it was just a, it was a bizarre place to go to college. I mean, it really was. I and mean, we had, a, I still have a lot of friends and things like that. But it was, you know, you. You couldn't have a car until your senior year. You had to wear a uniform. If you were in Rockbridge County, you had to wear your uniform. This is back in the, you know, in the seventies, and you know, and um, WNL was right next door. Washington Lee was right next to VMI, you know, and they joking, looking at us, walking up with their, you know, with our haircuts and stuff. But you know, what what VMI taught me was a couple things: um, the honor system. You know, you don't lie, steal, or cheat, or tolerate those who don't or do. Excuse me. And uh, and I've tried to live within that. You know, th- if I go to the grocery store and they mischarge me as much <laughs> as I would like to just say, you know, thank you. I usually, I, I'd say, I, usually, I always say, no, you've mischarged. I mean, I don't. I try to tell the truth. I try and. Never steal, of course, or you know, or cheat or anything like that. And within our operations, you know, we have a saying: don't color outside the lines. So, you know, 
I've, I've held that dear um, to me. Um, you joked earlier about being on time. I'm still yep. panic stricken. I'm getting a little bit better at being late, but, <laughs> but, but I traditionally have been panic stricken that if I'm late, so punctuality, um, yeah. you know, and just, you know, just the discipline, you know, of, uh, you know, picking, you know, keeping things clean and keeping things orderly. And, you know, I mean, it's what's just, the story you told me to start wasn't there a guy who got drummed out of the core like the day before graduation or something like yeah, that? Yeah, one a guy in uh, my probably my sophomore year, a guy who was like second in charge, regiment. He wasn't a regimental commander, but he was a high ranking senior. And uh, uh, he was in the mess hall and he got written up for throwing food in the mess hall. And if you got written up, you had to answer, you had to go into the combinant, um, and um, you had to answer either guilty or not guilty or not guilty wish to explain. And he walked in like three days before graduation and said not guilty. And um, his defense was he didn't throw the food, he smashed it on the guy. And they found that that was he was taken up before the honor court because that was quibbling, quibbling. Oh, that's right, quibbling. quibbling. Yes. And uh, and he was drummed out three days before graduation. And when the drums rolled at BMI, I mean, it was this. You know, it was in the middle of the night. You so you literally we, get drummed out. You, you well, you're not. You're gone. But but it was it would make you as a fresher as a rat, which we call it. It would scare the heck. It didn't happen very often, but it, it happened once or two, three times a year. And you'd be sound asleep, and there was the VMI's got these four story big courtyard in the middle, and the the snare drum and a bass drum would be down in what we call the band well so it would echo through the whole place in the middle of the night you hear this da 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 boom da 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 boom and so you knew the drums and so you would get out put on your bathrobe or whatever and go stand out and there's all open stoops we called it and look down in the courtyard and the honor court would march in and the honor court president would go around the sentry box in the middle of the barracks and say tonight such as the you know, cadet such and such was found guilty of lying stealing or cheating he you know he his name shall never be mentioned again and then they turn around and march out and you go back to bed going, oh, look. <laughs> yeah, I guess you didn't sleep much after no, that. It scared the heck out of you. Yeah, I'm, was, sure. Uh, I'm sure. Okay. So was. my last question is what is something people don't know about you? So you, you mentioned Kathy, you got to get in a mention of the three girls. People don't know that we text not every night, but three nights a week about jeopardy. You, because of your VMI years, are far more honest, uh, and everybody should know <laughs> it either the text says got final. Well, I don't ever text didn't get final. Yeah, you don't. Uh, but uh, but uh, I, I, I will. I will at least fess up that I often <laughs> do not get final. You do, or I do. or I will fess up saying. I got it, but I know I could not have spelled it correctly. <laughs> so I don't know if they would have given it to me. I think so, the other night was like Machiavellian or oh, something. Yeah. I'm thinking, All I'm right. thinking, how long would I have had to figure out how to spell <laughs> Machiavellian? So, so I know uh, you're a Jeopardy fan. 
and your three girls and Sydney works or what's that mom and pop that startup? She works, works at for? a small text company called Facebook. That's so it. She, That's she it. lobbies the United States Senate for Facebook. So and doing very well. Um, uh, Reagan runs our sporting goods store, which is our smallest PEO client and has been a PEO client for since 2000. And uh, my Youngest daughter, Bailey, who's newly married, is selling wine, which makes her mom and dad very happy that she has an endless supply of expensive wine that she can um, allow us to taste and help her for her sales. And you have an addiction to golf. Not so much anymore. I'm just such a terrible golfer, but yes, I like to play golf. That's it. Anything? Is there something else we don't know about you? I'd have to think about that. No, I don't. If, if there was, I'm not going to tell you. So uh, <laughs> it will remain a secret. We just bought a house in Maine, which you I've told you about, that we're really excited. Bought a small cottage. I, I love the East Coast. I've been in Texas my entire adult life, and I've tried to escape from Texas my entire adult life. It's kind of like VMI. You know, I just, you know, you, you it's been good to me. Uh, and, you know, Texas has definitely been good to me, but I would like to uh, escape and get back up east. So it's great. Well, it's, my it's roots close, are there. And right. it's close to San Antonio, so you can get there easily. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's in the same hemisphere. Yes, yes. It's, yeah, you yeah. know, it's four and a half hours on Southwest, so I could be in Portland, Maine in Definitely. four and a half hours. So, Well, it looks like a beautiful spot. It, it, it really does. I'm going to come bug you. Well, I mean, you show up when you least expect yeah, it. Yeah, well, bring your boat with you so that, you know, you at least bring something. So. I'm thinking my boat. That would be like an eight-week or ten-week process to get my boat up the Atlantic to where you are. So, but I might do it. I don't know. I'll I'll have time, so I might do it. Um, so Norman Paul of SWBC, thank you so much. I know every time you do something like this, uh, when we interviewed you in the magazine, Kathy and your girls said. Who is this person? Yeah. yeah. So loquacious. So Norman's known for being very laconic. And they were like, who who is this guy? Yeah, last time, you you know, Pat's normal thing is Norman can actually smile. I mean, I don't know where I've come up with this (laughs) grumpy old man complex, but I wear it well. So, but I'm really not that grumpy. You you really do. So thank you so much for the time today, pal. I really appreciate you being willing to do this. And uh, it's just great. So Norman Paul of SW. WBC. Thank you for the time today. Thanks, Thanks Pat. Take care. Bye-bye.